This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management, helping families strategize, execute, monitor, and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at objectivitysquared.com. Call to Adventure, hosted by Alexopoulos and John Duckworth, an exploratory conversation about facing the unknown, an opportunity to discuss those pivotal moments that illuminate new paths and reveal deeper purpose and meaning in our lives. Welcome back to Call to Adventure on OM Radio Charleston 96.3. This is your host, John Duckworth, along with my co-host, Alex Opolis, and where we gather together each time with a new guest to discuss moments in their life when they've heeded the call to adventure and stepped out into the unknown. But today we decided to turn the tables a bit, and I am interviewing Alex myself. So uh, for those of you who are maybe a bit unfamiliar with his background. Alex grew up on the West Coast in Newport Beach, California, attended college at Santa Barbara on a soccer scholarship and volleyball scholarship, and moved to Isle of Palms in 1993, where he has shared a home with his wife, Monica, and two kids, Max and Maya, ever since. Alex has been in wealth management for over two decades, and with his partner, Nick Holmes, runs Objectivity Squared Wealth Management. Alex is a great friend and a true brother, and... Since he and Monica named me godfather to their daughter, Maya, I am now officially and happily part of the family. And uh, it's been a pretty incredible adventure embarking on this radio show together. And the whole, the whole process has been uh, an unexpected and really great highlight of 2015. So happy to have you here as usual and to uh, let our listeners know a little bit more about you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. It's good to sit in this seat. Yeah, know, right, right. Yeah, how's it feel? Now it feels pretty cool. All right, excellent. Uh, you know, it's funny when I was thinking about getting into this conversation, I was remembering back when our good friend Kevin Harrison finally introduced us. Right. And when he did, he pulled me aside and said, "You know, I actually withheld introducing you to Alex for quite a while because I knew you guys would become fast friends, and I was going to be jealous." <laughs> Love Thankfully, he was right and wrong, because it didn't mean that he was out on the next. It's actually three brothers That's now, which, right. is, which is really nice. That's right. Love Kevin. Yeah. Um, so what is, you know, so many things to get into, but uh, maybe we could start with uh, some of the things that, uh, some of the easy questions. What are some of the books on your bookshelf right now? Um, gosh, books on my bookshelf. uh the um, father-son uh, adventure on a golf course that my uh, my dad just recently gave to me. Um, this was after you guys had a golf a golf outing, outing adventure yeah. together, right? Yeah, he, he's always wanted to take a golf safari, and we went down and uh, played in Alabama, the Robert Trent Jones Trail, um, mm. and we just had a fantastic time. And uh, hey, Dad, I know you'll be listening at some point, so um, that's a good book. Just starting it. Um, the Life of Montaigne is mm-hmm. a book I'm reading. Craig Nirenberg up in New York uh, gave that to me. Um, that's a really great book. And that one's similar to the uh, Epictetus book, The uh, Art of Living, isn't it? That's it is, yeah. Epictetus was uh, given to me by uh, Pete Lasher. Okay. Uh, it was a, we were going to Mexico, San Miguel, probably, you know, seven or eight years ago. And he said, you know, why don't we... We're just going with our moms, and he said, "Why don't we read this book as sort of preparation for a conversation when we're down in San Miguel?" Mm. Um, and that's been probably one of the most influential books in my life, really. You know, um, the art of living, the art of living by yeah. Epictetus. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were looking through that uh, that book earlier, and um, you pulled out a quote, and and you want to. Uh, Share that with our listeners here. Yeah, for for many years, I would just open a page to the book every day, and that would be sort of my daily meditation or practice, you know. And I still, I I've haven't done that for probably a year or so, but um, I just opened a page as we were sort of getting ready for the show, and here's what came out: um, To do anything well, you must have the humility to bumble around a bit, to follow your nose, to get lost, to goof, have the courage to try an undertaking and possibly do it poorly. Unremarkable lives are marked by the fear of not looking capable 
when trying something new. I uh, love that. It says so much about this show and this call yeah. to adventure, and you know, uh, really, really resonated with me with me when I read that. You know, yeah, and that was the mindset that we both adopted at the outset of this of this show was we needed to be able to to fail and be completely okay with it and just you know get, stand back up and put one step in front of the other and 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 see what happens right and it took all the weight off of the process and just made it enjoyable yeah cuz you know screwing up is part of it absolutely i mean I, you know i was having a conversation with a, a young uh, 20 something and he was asking my advice recently and you know it's odd that i'm sitting in a place where he's asking my yeah. advice but um i just celebrate today if i was that age celebrate the uncertainty celebrate mm. the fear and move towards it and you know be comfortable in that because that those are really the beautiful i've come to really appreciate those periods you know yeah yeah hard to do yeah, hard for people to do to to go ahead and 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 show that side, which makes me think of another book that you love uh, from Brene Brown, the uh, Daring Greatly, and her ideas about vulnerability. Yeah, which is something that, you know, she talks about this, uh, you know, armor that we all put on. Yeah, uh, to to hide, you know, to protect ourselves when when the reality is is that we're protecting ourselves from not wanting to be hurt. Right. Which we really want more love in our lives and which and belonging, but by putting up the armor, we're actually excluding potentially those very things we're seeking. Yeah, and and I I always consider myself sort of self-reflective and aware, and yeah. you know, when I read that book, I read that book probably three years ago, three or four years ago, uh, it hit me like a brick. Really? You know? Um, yeah. The idea of vulnerability, I thought I was vulnerable, and I I wasn't at all. You know, I thought uh, I had no idea that I was a perfectionist. Um, and when I thought about it, I was like, wow, that's me. That, yeah, that's me. Um, so that was a really profound book for me and, and really shaped, you know, as we talk about, you know, you plant seeds and you don't see them bear fruit for three or five years. And I think oh, yeah. the seeds of that book and are, are why I'm here today talking with you. Probably, nice. You know. Nice. Yeah, she has some really interesting ways to to dive into subjects that you may think you know already. She talks about empathy versus sympathy, and this mm -hmm. is a great description I heard her talk about where she says if if somebody's in a terrible place and they're at the bottom of a deep dark well, um crying out for help, an em an empathetic response would be to climb down with them and yeah. say, "Ah, I know what it's like down here." And sympathy is leaning over into the hole and just going, "Hey, you need a sandwich? Right. How you doing down there? Right. It kind of sucks, right. you know. Right. And it's 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 a separation. It's a disconnection rather than a connection. Yeah, she's brilliant. I mean, she has. Yeah. A, I, you know, if you go back and watch some of her video clips on YouTube or read any of her books, I think she refers to herself or somebody was saying, you know, as a storyteller. And I think she's yeah. got a real wonderful way of telling stories that really, you know, are enlightening. Yeah. Um, at least for me. And this this makes me think of Joseph Campbell when he talks about um, the 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 subject for this show, the call to adventure. You know, he went through and studied stories that we tell each other throughout you know the course of uh, human history, and was trying to find commonalities. And you know, this idea of the monomyth and the call to adventure came out of his research. And and uh, you know, he was trying to seek something through reading these stories. And all these stories are also trying to, they're looking for something. And as I look at, you know, going back to the books on your nightstand, a lot of these, you know, have to do with, you know, philosophy, they're big questions, they're abstract questions, you know, esoteric things. And, and, and so it made me think like, like, what is it that you're seeking? Um, and what maybe drives you to do that? That's a great question. I've never been able to read just sort of novels. I really just haven't ever, you know. I mean, Winston Churchill's biography was a profound book for me. Yeah. Uh, I tend to read Cicero, and I tend to get into philosophy. I sometimes wish I would just put it down and, like, I just <laughs> read something for fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, uh, probably I've had a relationship with death in my life from a very young age, lost my best friend at the age of 10, uh -huh. uh, lost another dear friend at 11, um, one of my best high school mates at, at 18, drove off a cliff. Wow. My father, uh, or yeah. one, you know, I'm fortunate to have two fathers, so right. uh, one of them at the age of 22. I just think the realization that we have one life 
and mm. um, and wanting to be as aware and uh, and evolve as much as I'm possible. As and that possible. landed early. Yeah, so you were you were. I think the awareness of how fragi- fragile life was landed yeah. real early. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I'm sure can be really challenging, but also long term is probably really healthy. I think it's been liberating because I don't yeah. fear it. Okay. Um, I yeah. don't. Um, I see it as a celebration. You know, I mean, some have been tragic, some have been celebratory, yeah. but um, well, I don't. I don't think it's the end. On yeah. both sides of that, the tragic and the celebratory, um, I would like to talk about uh, your father's passing. But before we do, there's a poem that relates to this subject that um, that your biological father gave you. Yes. Correct? Yes. Uh, if by Rud- Rudyard Kip- Kipling. Rudyard Kipling. Rudyard Kipling. Yeah, yeah, a really neat little story about how I received this. My, my father, Lexopolis, uh, you know, I'm the fourth, so he was the third. His, uh, uh, it was given to my, gra- my grandfather uh, on the eve of his departure to World War II, so June 7th, I think, 1942. Uh, it was a little red book, and in that book was inscribed the poem uh, Rudyard Kipling, and so I'll, I'll share it with those who might not um, have heard it. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you've give your life to broken and stoop and build them with worn out tools, If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can walk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. That's Uh, beautiful. Yeah, and those words have really, I've tried tried to live by them to the best that I can. I mean, they've had a profound impact, you know, from very early age. And you were, you know, lucky enough to be blessed with, as you said, two fathers, and and, and 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 then also um, one of them passed away at a young age, and and that was, as you mentioned, a big moment in your life that, in reflection, is a call to adventure for you. Yeah, I, you know, uh, to be to clear it for the the audience, my my biological father Lex raised me for the first, you know. 10, 11 years of my life, and I was fortunate enough to be raised by a second brilliant man, Frank Rosenthal, who I call my father as well. Um, And he really molded me. I have four sisters. Um, You know, uh, he was the man in my life during sort of teenage years. And um, he, uh, I, after graduating college, didn't really know what I wanted to do, went to Europe, uh, like many people might do, um, or, and, you know, had a backpack, was going to travel for a year. And, um, I remember I got a call, I was in, uh, Mallorca and I was staying with Father Matas, who, you know, religious gentleman. And, uh, and he woke me up at like five o'clock in the morning and my, my stomach was literally in knots. I, all my friends had gone out the night before and I, I didn't, I just was curled up in bed. Um, then he told me the news. My father had, you know, passed away, uh, died of a heart attack on on stage. He was singing, um, and so I took a plane and got back. You know, twenty four hours, and uh, you know, life went from um, being pretty uh, carefree and you know uh, easy to whew, change real quickly. I became a, yeah. you know, a father, a husband, a brother, and you know, uh, all in a very short period of time. So it was, Big you know, weight. 
and in hindsight, looking back on that experience, I mean, it's clearly uh, shaped yeah. who, who I am today. You know. Yeah, you mentioned your relationship <clears throat> to family, um, and but before we get into that, what I what I was so intrigued by when you told me the story the first time was that that long distance level of connection that happened where you were curled up with a terrible stomach ache and and you told me you had actually just sent him a letter or a postcard expressing yeah. how much he meant to you and means to you yeah and when you arrived back for the funeral the postcard was in the mailbox yeah i was we were in um on a beach in uh in, in france actually a couple of days before we got to Majorca, and my girlfriend uh was sick and so we were just sitting on the beach and I picked up a postcard and it was the thinking man, that statue. Um, mm. and, and I basically wrote a love letter to him saying how much I loved him and I hope he knew that and he was so pivotal in my life and uh, you know, all those things you would want to say if you had a chance to say him. You know? But he was 53. I mean, I didn't know that you know, he Death went, was looming. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I put it in the mailbox. Um, you know, had that experience of having massive stomach pains. I've never had them before, never had them after. It was mm. clear that There's was a connection. There, there was a connection. Yeah. But when I got huh. back and and uh, and and you know went to get the mail, uh, I picked up my own postcard, which was you know, I mean, talk about hitting you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, but you you got the sense, the the distinct feeling that 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 he knew the contents of that, anyways. Yeah, I you know I always <laughs> have. I I, yeah. I feel like that was he he heard it. He knows it. You know, wherever he is, you know. Uh, long term, if speaking of that sort of connection, you said that there was a few switches that flipped at that moment. One was this sort of uh, deep connection to your family and and sort of a growing up that happened. And at the same time, it sounds like there was a looseness that happened too because you started to express yourself through dance. Yeah, I was <laughs> always the guy, little, you know, the boy in the family and my four sisters and and they were so musically inclined, you know, the uh, very rhythmic and always danced and sang and played instruments and I was always left out because um, <laughs> I couldn't do any of it. I've uh, seen an early video. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> um but yet when when he passed away, that was uh I remember going to Bert's bar for those who, you know, have been here for a couple of decades oh, yeah. and that was a great dive bar on Sullivan's Island. I still miss it. But I remember, you know, there should be music playing, nobody dancing, but I'd I just get up there and dance and um didn't care. Didn't what care it, what anybody was didn't care whether yeah. I was doing it good or whether I wasn't or or or, or if anybody was there or what they care. I just didn't care. I would yeah. that that was my way of, of talking with him. You know, yeah. um, and I st today, twenty years later, I still feel that way when, when I hear music and I'm huh. inclined to dance. Well, speaking of music, one of the uh, musical interludes we have set up today is a is a song that um, can you set this up for us here? It's John Lee Hooker. I cover the waterfront. Yeah, so John Lee Hooker was my my father Frank's uh, favorite, one of his favorite musicians, um, and when I got back you know, uh, to attend the service. Um, you know, the next day I was going to move his van. We, he had a, like an Astro van that we, he used nice. to take me to all my soccer tournaments and volleyball okay. tournaments. So we shared so much time in that van. And, uh, my oldest sister, Tracy had made him a mixed tape and, uh, back in the day of mixed right, tapes. I was going to say, do we need to explain this to yeah. people? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I turned on the car and, and then, um, this song was, you know, on the mixtape. On the mixtape, yeah. Okay. And uh, it's just, wow, very, you know, very profound. And, um, uh, you know, I think a, a beautiful tune for me, you know, some of it haunting and some of yeah. it, you know, beautiful. But uh, I hope you enjoy it. Well, and the album is titled Mr. Lucky. So let's yeah. hear that. Uh, I cover the waterfront, John Lee Hooker. I cover the water run Watching the sea, sea, sea I cover the water run I can see 
coming in to the harbor. I see, see, see the people getting off on. I could not see, see the one I love. beautiful beautiful song um we were talking during the break here that it's it's hard to imagine that actually being real the way that went down um you're in a place where you actually can receive a phone call and you hear about your father's death and you go home the letter you wrote's in the mailbox and this song's playing on the radio when you get in the car i mean it seems like a hollywood script gone too far and yet it's the truth and I think all those things helped um, me to uh, to be able to digest it. You know, yeah. it was so dramatic and so quick and so sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I thought about the beautiful way, really, when you mm-hmm. think about it, that all those things transpired, I just I, I, I felt at ease that you know I sort of mm-hmm. referred to it like he spun off the planet. He just, oh yeah, you know, oh, he nice. sort of spun off. Yeah. The, he spun yeah. off the planet. He's somewhere else. He's and he's playing music, you know. Yeah, um, and he's laughing. The the second topic you brought up was competition and your relationship to competition, as far as a call to adventure, which, yeah. which is is which is a bit esoteric in its description compared yeah. to most people are giving definitive moments in their lives. But this yeah. comes in three stages, which I really love. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so explain to us. What the what your relationship to comp, what the first phase of your relationship to competition looked like? I have a multi-dimensional relationship <laughs> with the word. You do, <laughs> yeah, I do. I like it, and I think that I've thought of it as like a a, a trilogy, but I, okay. I think it actually might have a, a fourth volume. Um, Katie's just made me aware of that. Well, the fourth prelude the first three or I'm not sure it's too confusing Uh, my first part of my life I think was defined as just this really uber competitive kid Um, primarily on athletic fields and courts uh, where I you know achieved a level of success where it was you know celebrated and rewarded and applauded and so that fueled that fire more um uh, but that's the, there's there's a part of that behavior that's really you know for me became um, you know uh, 
Unhealthy? Un- yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's unhealthy. funny you described this earlier, and this this really landed. For those of you who know this, this will really work. Mm. Uh, the Christian Leitner Thirty for Thirty. Yeah. When that came out, you said you had a bunch of friends actually call you and yeah. say, "Oh my God, you reminded me of him." Yeah, I was so at that funny. moment in your life. I, multiple calls from friends in California. They're like, "I'm watching it, and I don't know why I'm so drawn to this." And then it's like, "Opalus." And I see yeah. little threads of that in you still today, but yeah. I'm talking threads. It's hard threads. for me to imagine you as that guy. Yeah, I was that guy. You were that guy. Yeah, okay. I mean, I like, I love to win, and I love to see you lose. Uh, okay. So at some point, I was well, on. A, it was on a tennis court with my okay. mom, and we were playing doubles. And you know, I was 21, um, and I remember I was at the service line, and I took an overhead, and she was at the service line. For those who don't know, that's about 20 feet away, and I just hit an overhead like as hard as I could right at her. I mean, it hit her right in the chest. Um, and I literally dropped my racket and walked off the court. I mean, it was sh- I was so disgusted with myself mm. that that's what I would do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Huh. And so the next 10 years, I think, um, I really sort of went in a different direction, which was I'm not going to be competitive. I'm not going to try to win anything. I'm not... Uh, and you, as we explained earlier, had an, an athletic scholarship, you know, a yeah. two-sport yeah. scholarship to play. Yeah. But then this became, you know... Uh, uh, you put that behind you. I wanted to kill that person. Okay. You know? And yeah. I think, I, metaphorically, I think I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, but, you know, apathy and uh, not having a drive and not setting goals and objective, you know, all those things. That started to creep in. You know, I, I think that there's, uh, there's a part of competitive nature that I think is really healthy. Um, and by killing the entire relationship with mm. it, that was that also was unhealthy. Well, and you couldn't actually kill it because it, you you could just like squelch it because it's sort of in your DNA. You 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 know sort of built into you in some it is. way. Yeah, it is. And, and so I think the older that I got, and sort of hopefully the more mature I got, I learned that you know that there, there's power in that. Um, and it was up to me to realize how to shape it and build it and, and move it in positive directions, mm-hmm. you know, how to harness that, that competitive spirit. And that really became sort of an internal, you know, my third, re- third what, phase, what, what, I, what I call my competition. Th- yeah. Okay. What I call that third phase was just the realization that, no, this is really good, but you don't have to compete against other people, mm-hmm. um, compete against what you think is possible of yourself, you know? And that, for me, became a really healthy thing to do. So I, yeah. I began to see the world not as win-lose, but much more win-win, you know, okay. and, and win-win-win if you can create those scenarios. Sure, why so, not? Yeah. Yeah, why not? It's interesting. I remember thinking, uh, I believe it was Jeremy Rivers when he was here, and he was talking about uh, the opposite of love, and we were talking about apathy, and that's what he re- he said. I think apathy is the opposite of love. So many mm-hmm. people would define it as hate, mm-hmm. but he says that he thought that apathy was 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 there. And, and and that you mentioned apathy when you talked about the second phase where you let this go completely, mm-hmm. and and I, I find that really interesting. That 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 as a as a resemblance, you know, to the flip side of that coin, to love. You know, there's a certain sense that you really needed to love that part of yourself still. And yet you were trying to completely get make it go away. Yeah. And, and, and then you re, re, were able to reform a relationship. Because it's still yourself. Yeah. It's still there. Right. Um, and it's better to, like, uh, you know, uh, be honest with yourself about who you are. Yeah. You know? I mean, my son said in, on our little holiday card that we sent out, in, 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 paraphrase, he said something like, uh, my wish is that, you know, you, uh, you always try... You're comfortable in your own skin. Uh, you try to get better, um, but that you really realize at the end of the day, you are who you are. And I thought he's nine years old. How does he know that already? You know, <laughs> but it's true. You are. You know, there's. Yeah. I, I, I every day I think you want to evolve, and I try to. And you know, there's many steps forward and multiple steps backwards. But um, but there's a core of you that is what it is. Yeah. Know? And, yeah. I, and I think I've learned to channel that in a much more positive way. And, and a lot of that, um, I get the feeling, comes from uh, people, uh, the, some of the people in your life that inspire you most. And this is, as, as you mentioned, a lot of the women in your life. I'm blessed to have a lot of incredibly strong, independent, beautiful, graceful women, you know? Um, 
I've only chosen one of them, you know, my wife. Uh, right. And so I'll start there, Monica. Um, you know, we've been married for 10 years. Um, she's an incredible source of uh, inspiration for me daily, just in watching her as mom and, you know, as, 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 a, as a wife and uh, what she does and how she does it. Uh, my daughter, who, uh, you know, I love, she said the other day when I asked her how to spell her name, she said O-P-O-U. L O S question mark question mark yeah and for those of you who know Maya that's just so perfect um, but you know when I think about my grandmother Virginia Bennett who's going to be her birthday's coming up will be ninety four um, wow. when I think about my mother Brenda uh, who's just remarkable you know her yeah. I mean she's uh, she's like a freaking nature she gets more open, more energetic, more youthful, more spirited every day that she ages. And yeah. I mean, I get the beauty of seeing it, witnessing it, but it doesn't stop there. You know, my sister Tracy uh, and my my sister Liz uh, and Jill and, and my youngest sister Nikki. So I'm, I'm blessed to really get a lot of inspiration from just witnessing those women. Yeah, and I'm sure it leads to, I feel like it leads to a, a certain softness in the way you approach this thing we were talking about earlier about competition. I mean, especially because that started at that one moment where you hit the tennis ball right at your mom. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't think of anybody better to shock you out of that state of mind and into a greater opening to, to, to something new in yeah. your relationship there. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you balance this, this idea, speaking of balance, mm -hmm. with your new relationship to competitiveness? And of course, you mentioned Max, your son, uh, has a slightly different relationship to it, but he's uber competitive as well. With and you're coaching, of course. Yeah, his sports teams, and you've got a few different mantras that you use when you talk to them about this. Mm -hmm. What? How do you t talk about competition with with them? With kids, I love. It's my favorite thing to do. I wish if I yeah. had to do it all over again, that's what I'd be. I'd be a probably a high school coach. Yeah, uh, I love working with kids and just seeing how you can build and shape them over a season. You know, um, it's, and, and, and you're not really talking about wins and losses here. No, this is I mean, I, th I think it's building a team, you yeah. know, and, um, you know, a, a so most recent soccer season we started, we lost eight zero in the first game. We just got crushed. And, uh, and our mantra for that season was, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Right. And, and, and every, every practice, every game that, you know, and, and uh, wouldn't you know, we almost won the whole league right. and, and we beat that team in the semifinals. So, um, yeah, I'm, try I'm trying to use what I have gained uh, in, in my awareness of my relationship with that word and, um, and, and, and pull it out of some kids who need to be more competitive and, 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 oh, yeah. and tone it down tone and it some down. that, that, to find know, that balance, right. Find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think about my coaching as like what it must be like to be a really good chef where mm. you, and I'm not, <laughs> uh, but to be able to go to anybody's kitchen and look in the cabinet and pick out any ingredients that are there and feel totally comfortable that you can cook a really good meal. Yeah. And I sort of feel like that on an athletic okay. field or court. Um, I just know the moments and the ingredients and how to put them together. You know, I feel like I do. Yeah. Um, that's really great. Well, it's a beautiful thing to do. I've, I've coached for quite a few seasons yeah, myself. And, uh, um, if we're not talking about the show, we're talking about like <laughs> strategy right. sessions Strategies. practices. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, in, 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 in honor of that spirit, yes. we've got the perfect song queued up we, yeah. for this, for this and, moment. And so. I, I asked Max recently, my nine-year-old son, what his favorite song on it, it was. And, and what would you think it was? Right here, uh, Queen. Queen, we are, we are champions. We are the champions. Let's hear it. I paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime and bad mistakes. I've made a few. I've had my shelf.
be fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. I thank you all. But it's been no bed of roses, no pleasure cruise. I consider it a challenge before the whole human race. And I ain't gonna lose. And I need to stop. the champions from queen uh great way to uh to to lead out from a conversation about competition it's a great tune it gets you fired up it does it still gets me fired (laughs) and you want to go smack a tennis ball at your mom now uh not yet but you know i do have a basketball game i'm coaching at six oh that's right this is with maya that's right beautiful beautiful um so uh next phase here we wanted to talk about uh, uh Sort of getting into vulnerability and creative process, and and this is a growth area for you that you've experienced in in, in more recently, right? Yeah, big growth area for me. Really exciting because um, I, I I think it started you know three or four years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Reading that book, spending more time with the you, Brene Brown book, Brene yeah. Brown, um, understanding my lack of awareness about willingness to be vulnerable. Uh huh. Um, you know, spending more time with uh, Stuart up in Brevard. Yeah, right. Uh, and the madness of that area and the beauty. Yeah. Um, uh, and so... Tell yeah. me about this, this, this sort of equation that you related earlier, the A to Z. Yeah, I think my... I mean, I've always viewed the world sort of on a horizontal axis, you know? It's uh-huh. very linear. It's A to Z and... Uh, very logical. I love math, and so there's, you know, there's those. And you're things. in wealth management, so I there mean, is a directional yeah, aspect. Yeah, I, I, I think that certainly sharpened that approach. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've been very uh, afraid of like just the organic A to B. You know, who knows where C is going to happen? Uh, who cares what happens at C? Just focus on where you are at A. You know. Right. Um, I re- I remember. When I sat down a couple of years ago, I was doing this radical, what I called a year of radical simplification. And I was yeah. I was walking through all the stages that I was going to go through in this year. And I remember writing stage one, all the things I was going to rid and shed. Uh-huh. And then I was started to write stage two. And it dawned on me, like, you idiot. How are you going <laughs> to know stage two until you go through stage one? You know, yeah, Beautiful. Yeah. Right. A yeah. big awareness uh, that, you know... And that involves some letting go. I mean, I think that 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 uh, there's a certain sense that 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 aspect can feel directionless, and 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 that can be scary and intimidating, not knowing, you know. And and I, and I find that that it is helpful to have a direction. So there's a there's a direction you've set for a goal, for some certain specific thing you're looking to attain or achieve. But then immediately and simultaneously, it's helpful to let go of that outcome, and that relieves the weight of it needing to happen yeah. and you know what i've re- referred to previously as the potential tyranny of expectation um but simultaneously rather than being a negative it also opens up the possibility of something really beautiful happen that you happening that you didn't even expect at all and so suddenly the step from a to b can turn you to a completely different z right yeah, I mean, I think about, I'm not a, a sailor, but I think about like the visual of a horizon uh-huh. um, and, and you need that. And yet, you know, if you're a good sailor, 
you're tactically adopting to the winds, you know, hour to hour, you know, and tacking right. and, and right. shifting. And so you have to have both. Yeah. And, um, or I think you do. And so it's been, it's similar to balance and to the idea of Ken Wilber's transcend and include. Mm. I've really been enjoying getting a better understanding of that side of my brain and my approach yeah, and, and blending that with this other much more linear and, horizon. And you mentioned that specifically <clears throat> with regards to this radio show we're doing has yeah. been an instrumental part of this journey. Yeah, I mean, if we would have thought, I mean, we started this idea, I think. Well, I started, you know, saying, you put the, I need your help. You planted, <laughs> planted the seed. You did. Um, and that was like eight years ago, you know, yeah. and we've we've had fits and starts and, you know, failures. And I, How I th- good was that first interview? It was fantastic. <laughs> it, it, I really think it was, was our best one we've done. But <laughs> on, unfortunately, man. we didn't have any audio that captured it. So. Yeah. We fired Complete the audio guy. Technology that, failure. That'd be you. And I'm thankful you fired yeah, me. Yeah. And we and now rehired have, me as a host. And now we have Thomas who is on it. And never fired. Yes. Um, now I think that I think the beauty of that for me is that um, we never uh, put it, it, it never had friction. It still yeah. doesn't. You know, yeah. we still yeah. operate uh, you know, it, let's adapt with um, where we are. There's it, a real curiosity to the process that I find really interesting. It's beautiful. You and, know? you know, like we talked to Marjorie last about mm-hmm. being a poet, and mm-hmm. there's there's no financial strings attached. We're in a similar place with this radio show, and it, and it takes any potential uh, pressure off it completely. We're just, you know, playing with this. But it's not like it's casually. Right. It, uh, but we, we're developing it and figuring it out one step at a time and, and figuring out the recipe, as you mentioned earlier, for kind of what works. And have no interest or in where it ends up. Right. All right. I mean, that's yeah, the yeah, beauty. Yeah. Like, yeah. who cares? Yeah. I mean, really? Let's yeah, just... I know, but that can feel almost apathetic in a way. It's, it's, it's like, it's just a caring differently. You know? Well, I, I, I know, you know, a, Rob Swan, who's been interviewed by people all over the world, said to you that, the, you know, we were more prepared than anybody he's ever had interview him. And, I mean, that's a real honor. And I think that's – we right. we prepare uh, diligently. Yeah. Um, it might not come across that <laughs> way, but we do spend a lot of time – uh, and so it's not apathetic. No, I, not I think, at all. I yeah. think it's it just that. feels like the right thing to do, and it's and it's and it's because of a thing that we talked about previously. I feel like there's a discipline to that that's not an externally imposed. You must do this. It's actually an internal curiosity for. Wow, I'm really excited about this. Right. So right. I, you know, I want this to go well. I want to learn more about Alex and have this conversation, and 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 that gets me energized. Right. So it's 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 actually really great. You know, getting into it and, and taking a deep dive and and uh, uh, look out, Charlie Rose. <laughs> yeah, my mom, like, <laughs> you know, I gave her our first interview and she had like forty, you know, critiques about. Oh, that's right. you know, well, Charlie, I was like, Mom, Charlie's been on the, you know, doing interviews for uh, a couple decades. Uh, but you know, I think the uh, I, I've really loved uh, spending time with people who sort of view the world that way and, and you know, Kara Lee and how she developed restaurants and still yeah. today how she thinks is very organic, very uh, enjoy her creative process, the way Kevin works and Benji mm-hmm. and, you know, you. And so I, so I have a lot of inspiration. When I was thinking about who inspires me, I was like, wow, I, 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 I surround myself with them and I get to talk to them via these shows, you know? So, yeah, right. That's why uh, it's a real added bonus. Yeah. 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 Well, you mentioned earlier uh, our good friend, Stuart Young yeah. and Brevard. Uh, uh, tell our listeners just a quick snippet of the first experience up there and how that influenced your idea of the next step. Yeah, it's such a magical place. It's a little piece of land uh you know in brevard uh you have to go up this road to get up there and you sort of pass by some areas where you think wow there should be some fences and i might not should be going up that direction and you get up there and and then you meet stewart who's this just in yeah how do you explain him he's just an amazing bundle of energy yeah at five foot eight british 50 years old uh love that guy and um, the first time I went up there, I think you guys were like, is he going to love this place as much as we do? Right. You know, the first hour and a half, Stuart walks me around all the property about what he's going to 
do. He's going to build this over here, and he's going to build a bike track over there, and he's going to take down this over there. And after an hour and a half, I thought, this guy is mad. <laughs> There's no way he's going to do all that stuff. No, it's not possible. And so that's my A to Z person. Right, know? yeah. And I'm thinking yeah. about trying to, trying to do it. Yeah, it. and it just didn't make sense. And by spending so much time over that weekend and just watching him work, um, you know, and, and it's just the next thing. It's just, you know, the beautiful example of a wall that he had built which was, you know, so beautiful and zigged and zagged. and It had a real Andy Goldsworthy aspect ah, to it, if anybody knows Andy Goldsworthy. If not, Google him quick and check it check out. Check it out. It's, he's beautiful. It was and, a beautiful wall, and Stuart yelled to me. He's like, hey, mate, you know, uh, would you take that wall brick by brick and move it down there? I was like, what do you mean move the wall? He's like, oh, man, that was never supposed to be there. It was always supposed to be over there. <laughs> he said, that was just the way I unloaded the car. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, man. Yeah brilliant right right so there's a letting go there yeah in a beautiful way there's a real beautiful thing that happens up there in Brevard and 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 it's uh, I love this description you know in my meditation practice there's so many references in wisdom traditions that talk about bringing it from the mountaintop to the marketplace and this 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 idea that you just don't want to spend your life alone in a cave you need to actually do that but then in order to bring it back it's the same idea that happens with the call to adventure. There's the initiation and a transformation and then a return. So you return to share this new wisdom. And of course, every time you return to this beautiful city here of Charleston, South Carolina. And um, yeah, it's definitely helped shape me that yeah. place in Brevard, Stuart, you, um, that process, you know, and, and, and then, you know, getting to call this beautiful place home. Uh, you and I are both from California. Mm, yeah. Uh, my family's born and raised here, but I wasn't. You know, my mom was born and raised here, moved to California, and so I spent most of my life there, and then came back uh, here. And you know, one of the our, our question that we ask all of our guests is, you know, if you if Charleston were a person, how would you describe him or her? And that was a question that I loved because I've lived in a lot of places, actually, Newport Beach, Charleston, Summit, New Jersey, and in in Santa Barbara, not a ton, but. Yeah. Uh, Charleston was the first place that really felt like it had a soul to it. Huh. I mean, an intense connection I had yeah. to it. And I think that all the people here, I think that's what's drawn so many other people to here. It is true. Yeah. Um, which is really unique, you know? And so when I think of Charleston as a person, I, 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 uh, I definitely think of her as a woman. Um, yeah. I think she has a lot of feminine qualities. You know, she's open, she's hospitable, graceful, elegant, refined. Um, yet she she also has a darker side. You know, which is uh, which is both mysterious uh, and you know, on occasion, disturbing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I personally love the the woman that she is. Uh, and you know holds the stories and wisdoms of an elder but she is i think historically young i love the way kate nevin described That's right. her you know yeah. i mean in the whole scheme of things she's still relatively young um and i sort of think i i hope that she enters her teenage years if that's where she's at um and she will not be moved by her recent popularity mm. um that she will hold on to her long deeply held values and that she'll hold them tight and dear. You know, I sort of think of that type of person. Um, I love that she has a strong voice, you know, an opinion on most topics and is fierce in advocating her views while seems to be open to the beauty of maturing, which is her ideal future. I think she's she's got a lot of growth ahead of her in a good way, not just, mm. you know, as we talk about physical growth, but growth and awareness. Um, yeah. Uh, as a person. Um, and to me, there's nothing more beautiful than a woman who fully embraces aging in all its glory. Um, wrinkles, to me, are the lines that tell the stories, rich, uh, deep, and enticing. And uh, I hope Charleston embraces her wrinkles. Yeah, beautiful. You know? Yeah. And, and uh, a long way to go. 
And, yeah. you know, and it's still a young city with respect to, as you mentioned, you know, and as Kate Nevin mentioned, you know, when you think about European cities and, and, and you know, ancient cities, you know, Charleston, relatively speaking, is, is still just coming up. Yeah, and there's beauty in that. I mean, I there think is, we, yeah. we have an opportunity to shape her direction. And I, and I feel really attracted to that responsibility. Yeah. And, and yeah. opportunity. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, something we didn't mention but is worth mentioning now in, in regards to that specifically is that you've always been uh, deeply involved in the community specifically from a lot of different outreach programs, um, crisis ministries to WINGS and, and a number of others in, in, in helping to actively shape the community that, that you live in, which I find, speaking of, you know, inspiring is, is you know, deeply inspiring for me. Um, to see to see somebody do that and have done that for so long, and it's great to to, to think that you know as community as creative process, yeah. you know. So back to what you're talking about about this idea of creative process and vulnerability, um, I, I really am, am am loving this idea of of being taking an active role in shaping the community as as creative process. And what did Kate refer to that? Kate Nevin, who said citizen artists, citizen artists. Yeah, there's real yeah. power in that terminology. Words right. matter, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I love that description. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're at a, a a wonderful time in our history. I think it's nice yeah. to close the chapter on 2015. Um, yeah, looking challenging forward, year, really challenging. But I think I think showed the city and our community where um, where our growth, where our strength is now, for sure. What what? Yeah, we we realized the strength, and we also got a, a very vivid view of where we need work. True. You know, yeah, um, yeah. So, cheers, well, man. Yeah, glad so, we glad we had this conversation. Yeah. And uh, uh, thanks for listening, everybody out there, to uh, the I believe the twelfth edition of the Call to Adventure. Uh, this is John Duckworth with Alexopolis here, and um, we are going to get a little bit back to our California roots and and play some Robert Bradley's Blackwater Surprise on our way out. It's a song called California. And for those of you who don't know, the story uh, that I've heard is that uh, he's, he was a musician, struggling musician on the streets and homeless. And uh, some band members of, of a young band walked by and heard him sing and thought, wow, this guy's really amazing, and, and asked him if they wanted to join. He wanted to join their band, and they put out an album, and it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah, so cool. So here we go, California. Taking my home to see my mama.
right, so welcome back. That was Robert Bradley's Blackwater Surprise and California. Sitting across from me now is Katie Kinwall, who's been helping me in my studio for the past year, and actually since my exhibition last year. And so it's always helpful in our conclusions here, I've found, to have Alex sitting across from me, and so I've asked Katie to sit in on his behalf so we could talk about the conversation a little bit. You just mentioned, Katie, something about that you heard during this conversation about, about death and his experiences with death at a young age. Um, tell me a little bit about your takeaway there. Well, I noticed that Alex had a lot of death in his life, especially early on. And Rob Swan actually mentioned in, in his interview that a big part of being alive is addressing that threat. And I think that a threat to his life, uh, Alex's life, was his issue with competition. Mm. And so he addressed that. I and mean, when, you know, that day on the tennis court, he addressed that and he moved on and he grew from it. Right. And so I, I really felt that he, he saw it and he made his life better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it led to a, a greater openness. And, 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 you know, it's palpable when you, when you meet Alex that he's just really comfortable in his own skin. And, you know, he and I have talked about this before. There's no fear in him with regards to death and, and, and the beyond, which is, uh, mm-hmm. which is really comforting. Because I find that as one of my best friends in the world, that, that one of the things that inspires me most is that he's so incredibly encouraging <laughs> and that he tends to bring out the best in others, but in a way that allows you as the other to recognize it in yourself, which is really mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, and you mentioned something about noticing his, his sort of a positive energy that yeah, always. exudes from mm-hmm. Alex, you know, even if you've just met him. Yeah. He, he's always, he always validates me, you know, and I haven't mm. known Alex very long and, and it's through Call to Adventure really that we've gotten to know each other, but he makes me feel like what I'm doing is really important and, and appreciated and noticed. And I, you know, we only communicate in little snippets, but I'm sure yeah. that uh, the way that he validates people really encourages them to grow as well yeah, and liberates really them wonderful well. quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's definitely, you know, I, I, I've, I love that I've been so fortunate to surround myself with people who inspire me in those different ways. You know, mm-hmm. uh, all of my good friends have qualities like that, that I emulate and try to, <laughs> try to uh, 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 bring into my life as much mm-hmm. as I can, you know, and it's good to have that reminder around mm-hmm. me. But uh, um, it's just so great to be able to sit down and talk with him. And of course, um, curious to see where his next call to adventure lands him. Uh, and I'm super stoked to be on this radio show call to adventure with him along the way. And uh, I'm glad that you're on along for the ride too, Katie. So Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the conclusion <laughs> yeah, certainly. here. Certainly. And uh, so um, we're here on uh, Ohm Charleston 96.3. Thanks to everybody involved to making this happen. Uh, Thomas, thanks for doing your thing. And Corbin. And, uh, of course, Vicki and Lee Barber and um, signing off and as Alex always loves to say cheers Cheers. (laughs) see you next time and remember the road that is distinctly your own has never been traversed celebrate the path that is your call to adventure This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management, helping families strategize, execute, monitor, and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at objectivitysquared.com.